Before I read the scripture, let me give you the title of the message because I want to try to get your attention. I'm calling it a free, F-R-E-E, a free offer of mercy. In the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about something that's free. You know, people say, I don't come to church. All they want is my money. No, it's free what we're going to talk about. We're going to look about at free and freedom from the prophet Isaiah and from King David as they introduce to us something that is so important to every life. These seniors in this great uh, moment of their life as they move into the next phase, if we could just understand the truth of the Scripture that God has sent his son to set us free. And if he sets us free, we're free indeed. There's nothing I can do, nor is there anything that I can pay to gain the blessings and eternal life of God. I hope that when we get through in just a few minutes that not a person here will go away and not understand that everything God has for you, if you're not a believer, is free. He has sent his son to die on a cross to pay for the sins of the world. If you have received your gift of salvation, if you know what it means to be free, really free, and the Bible says if the Lord sets you free, you're free indeed, then this is still going to help us. But if you have not, and you can't understand I just don't understand how God would love me enough to give me what you say the Bible says I can have if I trust my life to him and obey him. Well, please don't turn it off. Give me just a few more minutes to talk to you. Free freedom. We sing a song, Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but Jesus' blood has washed it white as snow. I want you to listen, first of all, to the words of a king, King David. King David wrote this after having, coming up, you know, the shepherd boy, killing the giant. I mean, he had a, quite a biography. He was in the who's who in the Bible pretty early in his life. He had already made the cut. But he, in the prime of life, as so many have done, made a tragic mistake. And you remember that he, from the shepherd boy and playing the music for the king and all this kind of stuff, that one day the lust of the flesh took hold as he looked out at a woman that was taking a bath in, out in the open and he lusted after her. He sent one of his soldiers to kill her husband so that he could have sexual relationships with her. And his kingdom began to crumble, his personal kingdom. And it bothered him for years. He just could not keep from remembering that horrible event that took place in his life. But one day there was a breakthrough. God appeared to him again. And listen to what he writes in the 51st Psalm. I want to read to you three verses. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. He felt dirty. Listen to what he says. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin 
is ever before me. He goes on to say that I've sinned against you, God, not only against myself, not only against Bathsheba, not only against her husband, Uriah, but I've sinned against you. And God has eaten me up. And I'm going to deal with it. I want to come back to experience the joy that I once knew as a young boy. Out in that field, listening to the bow of the sheep, protecting the sheep, not becoming one of the wounded ones myself. And then Isaiah, chapter 55. The setting changes. As we talk about the serious risk of America, of God taking his hands off of America, we think about much of biblical history, but God's people, Israel, were allowed by God to go into the hands of the enemy. And in that time, God began to bring a message to the people of Israel, God's people, God's chosen people of that day. He let them know that he was aware of what was going on. And then he tells them why it's going on. But then he says, but I've still got hope for you. I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to give you something. I intended for you to be free. You're back in bondage, but I want to set you free. And so listen to what the prophet says in the 55th uh, chapter of Isaiah, beginning with verse 6. Here's what he says. Seek you the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. He is the God. He'll have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon Another free pardon. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts, your thoughts. He says, I'm not thinking like you, and I don't do what you do, yet you're my people. But something's happened to your mind. That mind has been refocused in the lives of many that claim to be God's children. And they no longer think like God thinks. They think like other pressures that come upon them cause them to think. Whether it's a majority, whether it's political persuasion, whatever it might be, maybe a cultural persuasion, but they begin to think differently. And God brings it back. He says, now look, this is not about you. It's about me. I'm the one that's the giver. I call the shots. I know what I'm doing. I know why I want you. I know my plans for you. My plans are beyond anything you can comprehend. And don't ever think that God will not use whatever he can get. And if I do not measure up to what God wants me to be when he claims my life, if I will just humble myself under the mighty presence of God in due time, he will exalt his plan. And that's true of you. But I want to say over and over again in this message, we're talking about something that's free, folks. If you believe in freedom and you want to be free, the Bible says you can know the truth and the truth will set you free. That freedom cannot be bought. It cannot even be won on a battlefield against man. It has to be won on the battlefield against Satan. 
And as we look at the scripture today, he's trying to comfort his exiled people by letting them know eventually I will destroy Babylon. I will destroy them, but not yet. Because I'm watching you, my people, and you, my people, are disappointing me. You, my people, are sinning against me. You, my people, have turned from your righteous ways to wicked ways. And now it's very difficult for those that are outside to see the difference between Satan's army and God's army. And so God begins to speak very, very, very clearly. I want to remind you another time, God doesn't think like you think. God's ways are higher than our ways. But he does think from a pure heart. He does think with a goal. Here's the goal. I want to set you free. I want you to know freedom. I want you to know what it's like to walk knowing that no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. You don't know what role you're going to play. But when that time comes, I will direct your path. So let's go on with the story. He points them to God. It's their only hope. However, he makes them look closely at their personal and present situation. Look at Isaiah 55, verse 2. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Now, that's talking about the fatness of the soul, not the fatness of the body, in case you got confused there. He says, you're wasting your money. Have you ever been raised in a culture that wastes a lot of money? I would suggest that you possibly do. Uh, we want to pray for all these young people and their parents and their grandparents and so forth that are up here. They tell me the average kid today goes off to school, they get a $90,000 debt by the time they're a senior, then they marry somebody with a $90,000 debt, and the two of them want a $40,000 wedding, and so they owe $220,000 when they come home from their honeymoon. And they say, what have I got myself into? Welcome to most of the world. That's called D-E-B-T, debt. If you don't know what that is, look at the federal government of the United States of America. You will see what that is, all right? It's a problem. Best if you're supposed to be free. But what if something happens and you are given a free gift that promises you if you will accept this gift, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Whoo, that sounds to me like a double blessing. And could I add this in case you haven't read the fine print on your television? This includes shipping and handling. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? This is a whole deal. It's already been shipped. It's already come to earth. It's already paid for the price. Now what we're supposed to do is decide whether or not we're going to go God's way, which is an airway, or the world's way, which is everybody's way. Now, let's move on. Who do you think he's addressing? He's talking to his kids here. He really is. Now, there's something about them, and it's not really that unique. They uh, are angry. His kids are. They're dissatisfied, children of God. 
And they're starving themselves spiritually to death. Listen, if you don't spend any time in prayer and you don't spend any time in reading God's word, you're starving yourself to death. And it's not long before you get weak. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against God. I've got the word. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. When the devil comes against me, I know the word and the word will set me free. And so if we say, I want to be free, the Lord says, when I set you free, you'll be free indeed. Could I suggest to you that uh, many of the people that live today are starving themselves to death in apathy, apathy, A-P-A-T-H-Y. If you ask most people what the definition of apathy is, their answer would be, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> but apathy is when you come to that, that moment when your favorite song is whatever will be, will be. And I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm just going to raise my sail and whichever way the wind blows, that's the way I'm going to go. I'm going to find out where the majority are headed and I'm going to get in the crowd, whether it's a riot or a coronation. I'm getting into it. The Lord says, that's not what I have planned for you. I admit to those of you that are not believers, and I live very close to this situation because of being a minister of the gospel, but a lot of followers of God, or at least they say they are, they're drowning in anger. They're drowning in apathy. They're drowning in self-satisfaction. It's all about them. That's all they can think about. Their whole mind is exactly like the mind of those that said, I've never received the gift from God. Because it's so easy when you don't feed on the Word of God and you don't worship God and you do not share your faith and see what God does to a life that you witness to, when you don't do that, all of a sudden, you begin to see religious things as going to a meeting at a certain, certain place with a certain, certain people and doing certain, certain things and then go home and do just what you did the week before. Folks, that's not what the Bible talks about. That's not salvation. That's not a new life in Christ. That's not being born again. That's getting religious. And that won't do it. Religion can bind you. Salvation will, will free you. You can be dead in religion. I can take you to church buildings that in the last 100 years there hadn't been one person saved, forgiven, born again inside the walls of those churches, buildings. Not church, but they're church buildings. But God says, look, if your life has not measured up to your expectations, well, it certainly hadn't measured up to God's expectation, then no wonder you're dissatisfied. If you ever cook anything that didn't turn out the way you planned it, and it's a big party, and you left out some ingredient, it's kind of embarrassing to go around and tell everybody, well, I left out the whatever. Well, see, that's what we try to do. We try to live the Christian life without all the ingredients. You have to understand that being a part of the family of God, it is 
up to him to tell us what to do. Now, when he tells us what to do, then we're to do it. If God tells us to train up a child in the way it should go, and when it's old, it'll not depart from it, then your answer is, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, if you don't serve the Lord, you don't get the blessing. I want to remind you, it was free. But you didn't get it. But if, if, you become that rare person that separates themselves out from what everybody else is doing and you choose to follow Christ, whatever it costs. If he slays me, I'm going to trust him. That attitude, now you're on to something. Look, look back five years ago. You have any dreams then? Five years you wanted to be whatever? These young people did. Five years ago, seventh grade, I'm going to be graduating high school. They're graduating. How about 10 years ago? How about 15 years ago? How about 20? How are you doing? Have you seen evidence of the fact that I have stayed the path, I've stayed on the trail? I followed the Lord, and I know I have, and therefore I'm content. Or are you in the what-if bunch? If only I would have. I should have not. I don't know why I did this. Well, something got out to me. I just know what got into me. Well, these guys have something to say to us this morning. The word satisfaction comes from two Latin words, satis, which means enough, and faction means to make. To be satisfied is to have enough to make you happy. Now, how much does it take to make you happy? I'm not talking about money. Some of the most miserable people on the planet have money and lots of it. Some of the happiest people on the planet have very little. And they have a spring in their step and joy in their soul. That's really not like to see our folks going on to third world countries on mission trips. Then they're jumping, shouting pick up a cigar box and put string around it and make an instrument out of it, brush their teeth with sticks. The Maasai people in Kenya, blood and milk is their diet, a little honey on Sunday, but happy, happy, happy. But God says, listen, I'm going to lead you much higher than that. I'm going to help you socially, financially, spiritually, but I don't want you to go into the far country. As the prodigal son went into the far country and he spent all that he had on riotous living. That has a lot to do with our own country, individually and collectively. We've wasted our substance. We throw money away. And at the same time, we're throwing our life away. But I'm here to tell you this morning, instead of being bored complacent, lazy, apathetical, tired, irritable. You can be free, forgiven. Have a way that is much higher than the ways of any human being that you've ever met. Because God has an itinerary for you. And God can pick up all the broken pieces, just like he did in David's life, to let him write the, the many psalms that he wrote. 
In that 51st Psalm, God took a broken man that was just eat up with the sins of his generation, but he put him back together again to finish the course. And he could write at Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what he needed when he got in all that mess? He needed freedom. But he couldn't pay for it. But God's grace was sufficient. It'll be the same for you. There are many today. You haven't gone out into righteousness living, but you're still emotionally, spiritually, and maybe even financially broke. You just can't understand. You say, I'm a decent person. I'm a sincere person. I'm a hardworking person. And I'm a religious person. But you know what? I know a lot of religious people that cannot handle God's financial blessings. I've known a lot of religious people in my life that could not handle recognition and attention and honor. I watch the news just like you watch the news. I watch the Heisman Trophy winners. I watch the, this generation stars of, of the stage and screen and music. and all. I watch them fall by the hundreds just like you do if you know what is going on. But I've never seen a person, not one, that said I made a mistake. One day when I was young, I chose to follow the Lord. I let the Lord pick my wife, pick my vocation, pick where I lived, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you've had all those, you're right where God wants you to be, and you're happy, happy, happy today. But if you've done your own thing, you're in a heap of trouble. Don't let this culture pick your way of life. Not this culture, not the one to come, and not the one that's behind us. We're to take up our cross and follow him. The rich man in the story came running to Jesus, so he must have been in good health. He must have had power because he said he is a ruler. He must have been wealthy because it said he is very wealthy. And yet he wasn't happy. He didn't have purpose. But he came running to Jesus and he said, you're going to have to get rid of your past. You're going to have to sell that stuff and quit doing things the world's way and come follow me. Now the choice falls to him. One thing you like. That's what he said. Not there's 20 things you need, need to do. One thing you like. Do this. Do this. That was his challenge. So this scripture is to the haves and to the have-nots. This scripture is to the young and to the old. This scripture is to the healthy and the unhealthy, to those in poverty, those in wealth, those that finished in the upper one-tenth of your graduating class and those that finished in the upper one-third of the lower one-fifth of your graduating class. God wants to use you. Will you let him? You say, again, preacher, how much does it cost? Free. Well, when, is it, when, when does the first payment come due? Never. Okay, then wrap this thing up, preacher. I think I'm on the right page, but finish it out. I'm glad you're going to let me do this. Experience is a hard teacher. But a fool won't learn any other way. Many of us could give you those testimonies. Maybe not as dramatic as David. It's easy to get off the trail. It's easy to get off the road. 
I think too many of us are texting while we're driving spiritually, if you know what I mean. We forget about the barricades. I live 22 miles from here. I have two ways of going home. One, I can go down 45 south towards Galveston and take my chances. <laughs> or I can go out here, go down the Beltway and go where I was born. I know Pasadena. You get me to Pasadena and I can find Red Bluff. If you get me to Red Bluff, I can find 146. If you get me 146, I can find my way home. And I can usually get there quicker, although it's a further route. What am I saying to you? You got to get on the right road. And you got to understand there's too much trash on some of the roads. There's too many wrecks on some of the roads. I don't have time to just investigate all the wrecks. When you're trying to get to Jesus, you have to follow him. He will direct you, your path, and you will get there when he wants you there, and he will be there when you get there with you, and you will accomplish what God sent you there to accomplish. For some of these kids, it may be that God wants them to leave this stage and go to work. If they do, they'll be in five years a whole lot richer than those that are going to college, but that's another story, all right? Here's what I'm saying. The goal is not to come up with the expectations of a culture. The goal is to follow Christ. And if you will follow him, he will direct your path. I want to submit to you this morning that America's biggest enemy is not Iraq, Iran, or some foreign enemy. The biggest enemy America has is S-A-T-A-N, Satan. He is out to destroy this nation. And he is making progress pretty rapidly. And what we see America talking about is to build walls to keep people out but the more serious problem is we're built walls to keep God out of this country and they're going up every day in the public schools, in the city hall, in the governor's mansion, in the White House, in the Congress. They're going up every day. In God we trust. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You get God out of a nation and it doesn't matter what else is there. It will be in shambles one day. But if the Lord builds a house, it's different. When people build the house, watch out. It's temporary. All we're asked to do is to take a free gift of eternal life. And the instructions will come free. And as you move down from graduation to the next year, to the next generation, moving both ways, the younger ones come along and it gets sweeter as the days go by. But walk with God. Let God knock down the doors. Let God knock down the walls. Let God let angels to come and minister to us rather than the demons that inundate our culture where we live. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, a solid rock, we better stand because all the other ground is sinking sand. But God wants to give you a past to be a part of this. He wants us. We, and by the way, we're never going to be in the majority according to the scripture. 
We're never going to be in the majority. The Bible says, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. The sign that Jesus is, not, is coming is not that a whole lot of people are joining. One of the signs is the gospel will be preached, but they may or they may not receive it. Some nations are receiving it. Some nations are rejecting it. But I know, having been an American all my life, this nation is guilty of rejecting God in many, many ways. May God have mercy on us. But there's still a free gift. As long as it's free, God says, well, I'll give you my opinion. Well, how much is it going to cost me? Nothing. God said, I'm going to tell you what to do. You don't have to pay for it, but I'm going to tell you the way it is. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, you understand that? Nobody's going to come to the Father except by me. You understand that? Yes, I do. All right? Then let's get with it. Experience is a hard teacher, but fools learn no other way. Sometimes being discontent can help you. You know that? If you're tired of not having a job, feel lazy, get a job. might help you. They'll say, well, they don't even pay minimum wage. Well, it pays a whole lot more than you're making now. You know? Change your eating habits if you feel like I'm just getting overweight. Change what you eat and how much you eat. Try to win the Nobel Prize. You know? Well, I tell you what, my friends make me mad. Get some new ones. But don't get them out of the same place you got the first bunch. You know, you go to the store, you get something bad, you go out and eat a restaurant, they serve bad food, you don't ever go back. But you go out there to school and you get your friends from this group and this group and this group group, and they don't turn out to be your friends when times turn bad. Shop somewhere else. Well, where do you shop? At the family of God. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, we've got to close. I don't know if you ever played. <laughs> I like to put together puzzles. I used to really like it. Now I, don't, I can't sit still long enough to do one now, but I used to. But I hated one kind of person. Uh, two people, really. One, they'd, hang the, they would hide the last piece. You ever, you ever put a puzzle together, 1,000 pieces, they put it in their pocket, and it wouldn't bring it out until 40 days and 40 nights had passed. And I thought, now that's a dumb thing to do. But I found some people, they were sitting around the same table. They didn't do that, but they were dumber than that person. There would be a piece that we were all looking for. And they would pick it up, pick up a piece, try it all directions, put it back. Five minutes later, they pick up the same piece. <laughs> same deal. And they'd do that a half a dozen times over an hour, you know. And you just want to get up and say, would you stop? That doesn't go there. But their little mind, if I just do it enough, if I just drink enough, do enough drugs, date enough people, have enough illicit relationships, one of these days I'm going to hit it big. Wrong, wrong, wrong. You're going to continue to have what you already got. But you know what Jesus is saying? Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Hey, he doesn't beat you on the head, and I'm not trying to beat you on the head. I'm trying to make you wake up. Jesus said, my gift is still open. Whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. Go to the last chapter of Revelations, the last chapter, 22nd chapter of Revelation. John's on the Isle of Patmos. 
He's writing the last of over 900 invitations in the Bible for the free gift of eternal life. And he says, if you ever hungered, come. If you ever thirsted, come. And then it says, for whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Wow.